This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is the Prince of Queens, Brian Myers, and the host of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. And you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 145 of Top Rope Nation. My name is Ryan Drosty, and I cover professional wrestling for CBS Interactive by way of comicbook.com. And I am joined this week, as I am every week, by two of my favorite people to talk pro wrestling with, as well as a very special guest who we will get to momentarily. But first, I'd like to throw it across town for me here in the great state of Iowa to my good friend of nearly 20 years. You could say he is the Dax Harwood to my cash wheeler, Mr. Justin Joint. Justin, what's going on? Not much. You know, I just, are you guys like me and ever just think about that couple at the end of Groundhog's Day who Bill Murray gives the WrestleMania tickets to, and then you realize what year that movie takes place? <laughs> he gave them WrestleMania 9 tickets. And and not only that, in this alternate timeline, WrestleMania 9 takes place in Pittsburgh. No offense to anybody that lives in Pittsburgh, but but you're not Las Vegas. <laughs> you're not Caesar's Palace, man. No, the igloo. That's true. I, I actually had never thought of that, but that's a solid point. I haven't I seen that movie in a long time. Maybe maybe they got Brett Hogan in the alternate timeline. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and my other longtime friend and co-host of Top Rope Nation since episode two back in the summer of 2016, I've called him the Rain Man of pro wrestling. He's the man you want on your team at Bar Trivia. Out to Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Kyle Ross. What's going on? I'm just enjoying this rollout of HBO Max today. I mean, what a absolutely <laughs> phenomenal streaming service. Are you my referring to my, died, my Twitter? By the way. What? My, my, my dog just committed Harry Carey live on the show. That's what that noise was, by the way. It's, it's okay. He's, oh he's dead. We, we have a reenactment of Pepper uh, live here oh, on Top no. Rope Nation. <laughs> Kyle, are you referring to my Twitter timeline from earlier today? I sure am. Am I, am I always, complaining? I always check at uh, Ryan Drosty on Twitter.com every day. 
you know, when it's like a Wednesday and I'm, I'm going to tweet something, it does kind of pass through my mind before I send something out. Like, is Kyle going to run with us on the show tonight? And there you go. There you have it. So with that said, I do want to welcome our special guest to the show tonight. And funny you mentioned Harry Carey because our guest comes to us by way of Chicago, Illinois. He is the host of the Pro Wrestling Torch VIP podcast on the canvas. You can also find his written work at the Torch as well as fan-sided Mr. Zach Haydorn. Welcome to Top Rope Nation. It's great to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I've been on a, a bucket list of mine for for a while, so glad to be here. Excited. Absolutely, yeah. We've we've known each other for a few months now. I think me and you kind of started talking before AEW Revolution, and I've been wanting to get you on the show. In fact, we attended that show in the press section together. Enjoyed a few beers during that. We We're, did. Ended up being a great show, actually, despite the long beer lines that we had to wait in that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's that's criminal for for a for a for a pro wrestling show in, in chicago illinois i mean you got to have your beer carts open and ready for the the onslaught that 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 would bestow them it was wild no kidding man if you don't have the half acre and if you don't have the goose island ready to go you're losing out on a lot of money and they were that night because those are some insane beer lines it ended up being kind of the last one of the last uh real live events for AEW before the pandemic hit they had a couple more weeks of tv after that uh and it's just been completely different ever since. And uh, we've talked about this on the show. You know, AEW had so much momentum coming out of that show, and it really sucks what's happened here. But, you know, they've kind of sustained it. We, t- we did our uh, pay-per-view recap a couple days ago on Double or Nothing. It was a good show. Uh, what what have you been up to lately as far as uh, wrestling goes, Zach? You know, I mentioned you, you cover wrestling for Pro Wrestling Torch and Fanside. What's been going on in your universe lately? Yeah, I mean, pretty much just that, you know, I mean, outside of like the, the day to day working from home at the the old day job and trying to corral a 14 month old as I try to do that. Uh, it's mainly been just trying to keep up on on what's going on. It's it's in the in the wrestling world. It's, it is a strange time in that, um, you know, it feels like things have or should have maybe slowed down. But I've I found that with all the empty arena wrestling each week, there's always a, a new twist, you know, and whether, and, and though it's not, you know, our preferred way of watching wrestling without, a, without fans, there is a lot of new directions to analyze what we're seeing. Cause I mean, who would have predicted, you know, four or five months ago that, Hey, you know what you're going to have to do for two months, analyze some pro wrestling without crowds in it, WrestleMania, you know, without an audience. And, uh, so I find myself to be still just as busy with trying to watch these shows and, and, and find out and figure out and, and dig into what's working, what isn't, um, and, and staying busy that way amidst uh, a time that's pretty unprecedented, obviously for the world, but also pro wrestling. I mean, wrestling is so, you know, it's so keyed in with the audience and a lot of it is rooted in that crowd and in that crowd response. So to have that completely missing, it's uh, it's unlocked different things to look at when you uh, when you watch. So that part of it has been interesting to do. But, you know, give me the fans any day. I need those reactions. I want to hear those pops. Yeah, uh, just like anybody else does. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you mentioned analyzing wrestling and that is that's literally what you do on your podcast on the canvas. You know, you are looking at the artistry of pro wrestling as you as you deem it on the show. And you really I think your podcast is very, very unique as far as how you do it. You know, it's most times it's a one man show. You do some other stuff, too. Like I've heard you on the Bruce Mitchell show and things like that. Um, but you know, your signature podcast on the canvas, it's, it's examining the artistry of pro wrestling. You want to tell the the listeners a little bit as far as, you know, how you craft that or how you came up with that idea for the show? 
Yeah, you know, it, it really started in what's what interests me most about wrestling. And I, I you know, obviously I like I like the storylines and like I said, I like the the pops, but I also like kind of looking at what goes into why things work the way they do and, and why, you know, guys decide to do one thing in the ring as as opposed to another thing. And so I, I just really got into looking at that stuff and, and why I enjoy matches as much as I do and why I've enjoyed wrestling for so long. And it just kind of unlocked, you know, a different way to, to put on a wrestling show. So rather than, you know, there's countless wrestling shows just out there, really, really great ones that look at, okay, this guy should have been booked this way, or this guy should have been booked that way. He should have won, push this guy, push that woman. You know, there's a lot of that. Um, and I just kind of decided like to go with, you know, this niche podcast of just looking at kind of the artistry, as I call it, of of wrestling. So each week I just decided, all right, rather than look at wrestling from the, the usual perspective, let's open it up. Let's pull back the onion and dig into a specific current event and not so much of this guy should have won, that guy should have won, but what are they doing? The nuances of a promo delivery, the psychology of a match. So, you know, um, or even like a holistic look at uh, a show, what makes a show tick. So we, I did a show a while back uh, on the G1 tournament and, and just the artistry of, of that tournament. Stayed away from the booking and just at the artistic presentation. And it's uh, it's been fun to do. It's a, it's a, Like I said, it's a different way to kind of watch wrestling. And I find myself kind of just really focused on, on certain things. But um, – it, 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 it allows for kind of a different way to watch it. And I think even with the empty arena stuff, it's, it's played out interesting in that regard too, because there's just different stuff to look at because when wrestlers are in a ring with 10,000 people in the arena, you know, they're playing for them. They're looking to get that reaction and, and they don't have that anymore. So it's interesting to, to kind of dig in and pull back and, and see what they're doing to, to reach the fans um, at home. So just a, just the wanted to find a, you know, a niche, space in the wrestling podcast world to kind of to, to own that area um and this has turned out to be a, a a good place to do that it's been it's been fun and feedback has been great the torch audience and the vip members there have given some good direction and some good you know just some good positive notes on on what they like what they don't like and uh, we're 100 episodes this week so um it's been quite the journey Wow. Well, congrats on that. That is that is no easy achievement, as we can attest to here. And uh, I, w- I would certainly recommend anyone out there listening to, to check it out because it is a very unique podcast. It's, it's much different than uh, a lot of the other wrestling podcasts you might have on your playlist. So you can check it out over at PW Torch in the VIP section. And Zach, one of the things that we like to do with people that have never been on the show before is kind of just you know, get, get your backstory as far as wrestling goes. So what what is it that initially got you into wrestling? How long have you been watching wrestling? You know, most of us, Kyle, myself, and Justin, we've, been, we've all been watching, you know, off and on for like 30 years now. And I assume you're, you're a pretty long-time fan as well, but I don't know for sure. So tell us, how did you get into wrestling? You know, what were your earliest memories and uh, what has kept you around the business? <laughs> yes, long-time fan here for sure. So for me, it was right... Um, right before WrestleMania 15. So like late in 1998, when I first, you know, first watched wrestling for the first time, like, like truly watched it. It it had been on and I've seen, you know, clips here and there at friends houses and whatnot. But late 1998, uh, was the, was the first time I really got into it. And from that point on, um, haven't really looked back, you know, no breaks for me. I've just been going full steam since then. And I remember vividly, I was sitting in, it was a hotel room and I'm watching, you know, just 
flipping through the channels and trying to find something to watch. It was at a, a soccer tournament that I had, and uh, it was the angle where yeah, <laughs> where the Undertaker was trying to embalm Stone Cold Steve Austin on the <laughs> on the gurney in like the <laughs> the funeral home, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean. It, that imprinted on, on my on my brain. So it, that was the first angle that I saw, and from then on, I got hooked to the the Steve Austin character, like a like a lot of kids my age uh, at that time, and uh, just went with it ever since. So WrestleMania was the first WrestleMania 15 was the first um, pay per view that I ordered, and then it was uh, off to the races from there, uh, moving forward with the current wrestling. But then also at that point going back and heading to the video store, getting old tapes, watching the Hulk Hogan run and the ultimate warrior, you know, and just kind of hitting, hitting everything that I had missed up to that point. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a fast and furious wrestling, wrestling, wrestling since about, uh, 1998, early 1999. So you could say you are a kind of a child of the attitude era, I guess we could say (laughs) for sure. Very much so. (laughs) Very much so. Yes. I feel like if I told anybody that, yeah, like back in 1998, they were embalming people on on tables on on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure kids these days would believe me, but it, yeah. it happened. Definitely yeah. happened. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, we're we're glad to have you on the show. Like I said, this has kind of been in the works. We've been talking, you know, on Twitter and stuff, and texting back and forth about getting you on for a couple of months now. So I'm glad to have you here. We've got some good things, some good topics lined up here for the show tonight. And before we get to that, I do want to get some housekeeping out of the way. As always, guys, we are members of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out bluewirepods.com for all of your podcasting needs, whether it's sports, movies, entertainment. They have the show for you. Also, while you're at it, hit us up with five stars and click that subscribe button wherever you are getting your podcasts, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. We are pretty much everywhere podcasts are found, and each and every one of those subscriptions helps us out a lot. Better yet, if you like the show, tell one or two of your friends this week to check us out. You know, that helps us out, grows our audience, gets us in front of new listeners. We would greatly appreciate that. And if you want your free Top Rope Nation t-shirt head on over to patreon.com slash top rope nation for details on how you can get that if you sign up before the end of the month of may we will send you a free top rope nation t-shirt sticker both of them in the mail just for signing up and, and trying out our patreon page there's all kinds of bonus content over there for you we've done i think 20 exclusive podcasts for the patreon page you also get kind of backstage access to the show you get our show notes each and every week You get a pre-show each and every week. And uh, we we seek feedback, too, from our Patreon supporters. They're kind of unofficial producers of the show. You know, they they give us ideas of what to cover. They give us ideas of what to cover on the Top Rope Nation classic show that we do over there on Patreon. So check it out, patreon.com slash Nation. And lastly, we do have to send a special shout-out to our sponsors, and that's the good friends over at BetOnline. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. 
And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling The Final Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. And with that said, guys, uh, our lead topic for the week kind of wrote itself just a few minutes before we went on the air tonight, and that is what just happened over on AEW Dynamite as we record on Wednesday night. Uh, Kind of a big debut, Mr. Kyle Ross. Do you want to tell the listeners what happened? I don't believe Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler even work here. Yes, yes, they showed the the, uh, least surprising surprise, I guess, is that the former revival uh, is now elite and they are on AEW. They showed up on Dynamite. Uh, Kind of a curious debut in some regards, how they did it. They sort of rescued the young bucks who are having a scrum with the butcher and blade and then kind of just teased the FTR young bucks match that we have all been yearning for all this time. Um but yeah, yeah, I think we all knew it was coming sooner or later. Didn't know it was going to be tonight, but uh, certainly a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Justin, what, what did you think of this debut and the way they brought him out in the truck and they walked to the ring and everything? I thought it was pretty good. I really liked that truck they drove in on. Old school, yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised they didn't save it for a live crowd, um, but I guess you got you know TV to get out there, so can't blame them. Um, but it was exciting. I, I really loved... Uh, them doing that uh, brain buster pile driver. That was really good. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things, too. Like, we talked about this with Matt Hardy's debut when it happened. Like, you can just imagine what this would have been like with a crowd, you know. It really sucks that we're kind of robbed of that moment. But, you know, I thought that the the small crowd of workers that they had there did a pretty good job with the chants and everything, you know, as best as they could do. Uh, Zach, I don't know if you had a chance to see this before we called you up here on Skype, but uh, if you did, what did you think? Yeah, I did. I, I liked it. I had the first my thought was the same as Justin's in that like, oh, man, you know, kind of a bummer that you don't get to see or hear an AEW crowd react to them. But just a sign of the times in that, you know, you can't hold off forever. And I'm sure they want to they want to make some money and, and get on, you know, get on TV. Uh, but with that said, and with a pin in that on the side, I, I thought it was I thought it was well done. I think they really they surely looked like like stars. That's for sure. And I think that's that's the key. Um it was interesting to see them debut helping the young bucks because I figured, you know, they're going to go to that match. Um, but you know, maybe they go to it as a, you know, baby face, baby face or something out of the gate. Who, who knows? But I, I like that, uh, it wasn't necessarily the tried and true. Oh, you have the new team come in and, and beat down the, you know, the top babyface team. I mean, part of what AEW is so good at is the, the nuance of their storytelling. Um, and I think this lends itself to that nicely. It makes me want to watch it again next week. So yeah, I thought it was well done. Yeah. I think you guys all mentioned kind of everything I wanted to hit on too. I mean, I was a little surprised that they, help the young bucks like you said zach but uh, i think it was a good way to do it i guess they're going by the name ftr now you know there was this stuff about the revolt and then there was a uh, i think the tag team in north carolina that was kind of coming after him for using mm-hmm. that name yeah uh, but yeah they the announcers called them ftr on air so i guess that they i see they already have a t-shirt up for sale as well uh ftr i saw F that on the twitter rest, or something well, like yeah. that yeah so that was quick 
<laughs> so they're merchandising. I think they already had a pro wrestling tea store, but now they, you know, have the AEW machine behind it, kind of pumping out that merchandise as well. So yeah, I mean, it's a good move. I think everyone has kind of been looking for this for months and months now. I guess uh, this proves that when they got their release, they didn't have a ninety day com- no compete because they, you know, they were issued the release. I guess so. Uh, unlike all those other names that got their mid April releases that have to sit out for ninety days, uh, not not in this case. They're ready to go, and uh, I-, I will gleefully tune in each and every week to see what they have in store for these two because I think pretty much all serious wrestling fans have been pretty frustrated with the way that these guys were booked over their last several months in uh in wwe would you agree kyle yes and i think we have a bit of a topic coming up in a few minutes about nxt talents getting called up and people being frustrated don't we we do you want to throw it to that right now that's kind of a perfect transition i think sure yeah i was gonna say one one last thing on ftr the bottom line with them is once they get in the ring you know i think all's well like anything you know with how this was handled or whatever. I mean, the key for them is just getting back in the ring and having good matches. That's what they're being brought in uh, to AEW to do. And it's what they were not given an opportunity really to do on the main roster in WWE. So that's the key. And I think that's what we're all waiting for. But um, this afternoon, Ryan, you, you kind of uh, tease this and are giving me this opportunity. I thank you. I was sitting around this afternoon thinking about people seemingly getting excited for the in your house moniker to come back for NXT. And that's interesting to me because in your house, if you guys remember, it's not exactly a moniker associated with the successful time period of the world wrestling federation. Was it not exactly 95, <laughs> 96, <laughs> like it's kind of like, Oh yeah, it's when he wasn't very popular, but whatever. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about in your house uh, coming up on our next episode, which I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, but the excitement I think about this in your house return probably says something about the current state of NXT. We've talked about it a lot on this show. NXT kind of stinks right now. (laughs) And that got me to thinking about something else that's about to happen later this week, possibly. Matt Riddle's impending call-up to SmackDown. And remember how excited we were when Matt Riddle got signed? Oh, yeah. By WWE, we're like, Mm -hmm. this guy can anchor a brand. This This is a guy you can build Raw or SmackDown on. And it's like kind of sad how indifferent I am to the idea of him being called up imminently, according yeah. to all the reports. Mm. And it kind of hits me. And it goes back to the revival FTR, right? NXT's quote unquote decline can be probably, at least in part, tied to the lack of success these call ups have had on the main roster the last two years. And I yeah. think the fans have caught on to it. And NXT is sort of viewed more now was this, for lack of a better term, bastard third brand, as opposed to the future stars of WWE, which is originally what it was intended to be. You know, For all the talk of developmental being a dirty word, NXT, in my opinion, worked better in that capacity. And you know, of all the things WWE needed to do to improve itself in a creative sense, having a third separate but equal brand was not high on that list. So I wanted to throw it to you guys. Yeah, like crazy? Like... This whole thing with, all right, NXT struggling, is it tied to the fact that acts like FTR, which is now gone, you know, were didn't have success on the main roster? Yeah. Have at it, Mr. Justin Joint. Yeah. It's just tight that you just, because you know they're probably going to flounder and 
the roster is so huge that, you know, in order for the call-up to have a big spot, that's got to remove somebody else. And there, there's not a lot of names that you can see, you know, being sent down the card. I mean, I'm sure we could pick some out, but to, to the larger audience, uh, it's just really difficult. Um, I think Alistair Black has been doing pretty good. Um, I guess a lot of them have short ones, but yeah, it, and you know, I guess, boy, there, here we go. This it's the long-term booking is where they fail. They just, they get called up. They might have a moment and then they flounder. I mean, and really, unless you're literally like a handful of guys, that's probably going to be your career in WWE. Hmm. You know, what's interesting is that, yeah, we've kind of talked about this before, but like, yeah, most of the men that they have called up for every, you know, I guess Kevin Owens and Finn Balor, you got three or four guys who just have completely flopped on on Raw and SmackDown. But when you look at the women's side, you know, they've done Mm -hmm. so well on the women's side. Of the former NXT star. I mean, basically, all the all of the women stars are former NXT stars for the most part. Yeah, I was going to say, that goes back to what Justin said. You know, I think that's a very key distinction you did bring up, and I thought about it when I was, you know, writing my notes down. And what Justin said is there's not a lot of room for some of these men when they come in mm-hmm. to make an impact. With the women, there was a huge void, particularly at the beginning. Yeah, and this was right that when enabled, their whole theory like, the of women's women to become stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Zach. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's a great topic. And I, I think it's rooted in like two two main issues. One one being, I, I, I think along the way, as NXT picked up success and WWE used it as a way to hoard some of the top independent talent, it kind of, it kind of, it lost its it's focus, you know, cause now it turned into a brand that while puts on great shows like NXT takeover and can be a pillar of big wrestling weekends for, for WWE as a company. Um, it, it just, it's not creating the stars that thrive on main roster WWE programming. You know, you see guys like Baron Corbin and Elias have, more television time and quote unquote, you know, just more appearances and more, you know, just, just is pushed harder than, than other acts coming up that, I mean, how, how much is Baron or is Kevin Owens really above Baron Corbin at, at this point? I mean, it's a little bit and he's had his moments, but I don't know that I'd put him on that much higher of a level, even though he's infinitely more talented. And I think that's, that's a big issue in NXT right now. You have guys like Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano kind of anchoring that brand and, and others. But I mean, how does Vince McMahon see those guys for the main roster? And I, I don't think it's in a positive light. And so they, they stall out. And I think that's, that's one big issue. It's like, you're kind of running these shows, but those top stars aren't necessarily what they need or want on the main roster for, for better or worse. And then on the other side of that, I think there's an issue with some of the, storytelling that's that's done like and i look at bailey as a main main culprit here you know you the the fans got to see her her journey in nxt she started off as this kind of fan character that couldn't win the big one and then you see that entire story play out on nxt and in nxt and she finally does win that big one on a big show with a lot of people watching and then that's kind of her journey in a nutshell and then you take that and you just plop it onto the main roster um, and there's a whole group of people 
from an audience perspective that haven't seen that journey. And it's like, you can, you, you can't really tell the story again because you had so much of your audience that did see it. But the other half don't know why Bailey's so important. They don't know why she's so lovable or, or huggable. And so those dots just don't connect up um, in, a, in a good way. And I think you put those two things together and you've got a, a brand that's there and that can put on good one-off shows, but I don't know that it's serving what they need on that main roster at this point in terms of new stars. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very, very interesting couple of years for NXT, to say the least. I think you hit on a lot of the issues there. You know, the the fact that they would bring up these people where, yeah, a good portion of the audience had seen them. But, you know, if, if you looked proportionately, like probably not even half of the main roster audience was watching NXT when it was exclusive to the network. Uh, now, you know, they're on USA Network and stuff. So it, more people are getting exposed to the brand and stuff. But I think that is probably one of the, the biggest failures is that they just didn't introduce people. Well, like they kind of assumed that people knew who they were when the majority of the audience didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want to take they didn't want to take the time to properly introduce them because I think maybe what you said, Zach, is part of it. They didn't want to waste time because they figured, you know, hundreds of thousands of people did know the story. But uh, it definitely would have benefited them in the the long run. I mean, you look at the men's side. Who who are the most successful main roster, you know, quote-unquote main roster now, uh, call-ups from NXT? I mean, we we mentioned Kevin Owens because he's been Universal Champion. Obviously, Balor has now, you know, gone back to NXT. (laughs) Right. Right. But he was Universal (laughs) Champion at one point. I mean, I guess technically you could say Seth Rollins, but I don't really include him because that was before the network and everything. You know, like he talks about being the first NXT champion and stuff. I don't really really consider him part of this. That was Triple H's NXT, really. Yeah, that, that right, wasn't right. really like this NXT. I don't. I know it's the same in name, like when they went to the name and stuff. But I don't really consider that part of you know the era we're talking about now. Um, yeah, Corbin's had some success, but uh, certainly very divisive. I mean, who who <laughs> would we say on the men's side are are the best calls? Because yeah, it's very easy on the women's side. You know, we can check off the list with Charlotte and Sasha Banks and Bailey, and they've even made stars. You know, like Alexa Bliss wasn't wasn't a big star when she came up, and she became a huge star. Uh, Becky has Lynch, not been the, yeah, Becky Lynch, obviously too. I mean, they haven't. On the men's side, who are, who are the names that I'm forgetting here that we could... You know who it join? is. And this is so ironic and speaks to the disconnect between NXT and Raw and SmackDown. The biggest success story to come through NXT is Braun Strowman, who wasn't a push to act in NXT. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely... Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you look at what's happening right now, I guess probably <laughs> the biggest one. Absolutely. Anyone else we're forgetting? I'm trying to rack my brain here. Uh, I mean, we talked about most of them. You know, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor. Um, God, it's we not, must be missing somebody. It's, it's not exactly a murderer's row of main event talent you know, that we're talking about for a brand that's been putting on spectacular shows for, you know, the better part of, what, six years at this point? The ratio of success to failures is getting frightening. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it, it, again, I mean, to kind of paraphrase with. Zach said something. I said it went from developmental and at some point became Triple H's vanity promotion. And that's not good for anybody because he's collecting this indie talent and that's great. You're going to be able to put on good shows. But sometimes I wonder if this talent's getting lied to along the way because I see some of these acts get signed. And Zach made a very interesting point. I completely agree with him about Gargano and Ciampa. 
I think most people would think this. Those guys aren't going to be headliners in Vince McMahon's WWE. And there's no. a lot of acts. The Revival, for instance. What went wrong with them? It's simple. They were an ode to something Vince never liked. Southern Tag Team Wrestling. <laughs> so the idea that they were ever going to find success on the quote-unquote main roster is ludicrous. Vince yeah. didn't want the Midnight Express when the Midnight Express were around. <laughs> Got to make these boys a comedy act, pal. That's how they connect with the audience, right? <laughs> yeah, he gave Arn and Tully a mouthpiece. I mean, Bobby Heenan is one of the all-time greats, don't get me wrong. But, like, you know, I mean, he got Arn Anderson to play and said, you know what these guys need is a mouthpiece. <laughs> Two of the great interviewers of all time, great promos of all time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, they're going to keep having good shows. And these takeover shows, you know, takeover in your house coming up. We're going to talk about that a lot next week. You know, that it's it's going to be a good show, most likely. You know, most of these takeover shows are like blowaway shows in the ring. But when it comes down to it, they haven't had the storyline investment lately to make me want to tune in. And that that's the bigger problem here. You know, we always know we're going to get a great show in the ring. But what's going to keep you tuning in to those weekly shows? You know, that's kind of the issue right now. Uh, Justin, I think too, er, so, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Zach. You go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, I think recently, especially, you know, I think the two hours has been a detriment to to, mm-hmm. to the show. You know, in that you, you really have to. I mean, because you NXT's always had that core, that core women's group that's putting on great matches and telling good stories, and that core men's group, and that always took up, you know, an hour, and you didn't see stars over and over again. You you got some breaks from show to show to show, but now with the two hour format, you gotta they they have to dig a little bit deeper into that quote unquote developmental pool with talent that's not necessarily fully polished for you know, network television yet. And I think that's, that's hurting this a little bit as well. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. And it's something we've talked about too, over the years is that, you know, we, we were very high on the one hour NXT television when it was on the network for years, but we always said, you know, there's that caveat of, look, they're doing one hour of television. They have a, essentially a pay-per-view every three months. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an apples and oranges comparison when you're mm-hmm. comparing what was going on in NXT to the main roster. You know, everyone loved NXT and we'd say, yeah, but you know, if they get on regular cable television and they have a two hour show, for example, you know, be careful what you wish for. And it, that's coming to fruition here, I think. And that's exactly what we're seeing. These TV shows are not must-see. Justin used to be one of the biggest NXT fans that I knew. In fact, at one point in time when I was uh, running the website, Top Rope Press, basically the namesake of this podcast, uh, you were one of the first writers I hired. And at one point you were reviewing the weekly NXT shows for Top Rope Press. I mean, you never missed it. How how often do you watch NXT television these days, Mr. Joint? Um, sporadically. I mean, Wednesdays, I normally flip between that AEW. Otherwise, I'll go back and watch something if it has some buzz, which is not very often. Um, but yeah, you guys have hit on all the problems. Uh, you, you grow the roster, you lengthen the show, you lose out on storytelling in, you know, a tighter one hour show. And I think, you know, at the beginning, they brought in talent to fill needs and then eventually it they brought in talent to pop a show. Um, and that just doesn't work very well. And people get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. 
I mean, I used to love, and I know Kyle did this all the time because we would always talk about it. How you could you could binge watch NXT yes. television before a takeover. Uh-huh. You can't oh do my that God, anymore. You read my mind. I can't do that it anymore was, at all. It was such an easy watch. First off, I'm going to make a comment right now that I can't verify, but I think it's true. <laughs> I think a lot of people actually didn't watch the one hour TV when it was there. They just watched the takeover, but it was okay. It was an easy product to consume, which is something wrestling has totally lost in the year 2020, being easy to consume. This is not Shakespeare, folks. It should be very easy to consume professional wrestling. You should be able to watch an episode and sort of get what's going on your first time watching. And it was an easy watch when it was one hour, and you could binge it, and it was great. Um, And I think a lot of people maybe didn't watch the TV, but it was okay. Takeovers were blow away, and they could still kind of follow along what was happening even without watching the TV. Now it's just like the TV's a drag, and it's just like main roster stuff. You get to take over, just like you know, you get to your standard WWE pay-per-view fair, and you're like, eh, the TV's made me less interested in this as the weeks have gone on. <laughs> and that's not what the function of wrestling television is supposed to be, folks, it's supposed to make you more excited about the show, not less. Um, and, and that's where I think, you know, the, the move to USA has really come back. Well, I'm sure financially uh, it, it's a benefit, but I think creatively it's come back. It's bit AEW or pardon me, NXT in the butt a little bit. That's yeah. why, I mean, if you want to get people excited, you just need to build it or bill it as the greatest match or show ever. (laughs) That transition. (laughs) Do we want to touch on that before we take it home this week? The greatest match ever. I see that uh, Orton's getting a little snarky about it. He he even thinks it's ridiculous. Um, What do we make of this? I mean, (laughs) Zach, I mean, we were pretty harsh on the WrestleMania match that these two guys had. We thought, we thought at the time that there was no match on WrestleMania that, lost more because of the venue change than that one because they had completely changed the style of match that they would have done you know in tampa and (laughs) now we've pivoted to a very controversial wrestlemania match that some people really liked i think a lot more people really didn't like it was very very i I, I want a name and i want an address yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've seen the comments i have i promise you some people did like it but uh too long for my tastes uh and now we're gonna get the greatest match ever Justin, join. Are you are you pumped, Justin, for the greatest match ever? No. And is there any <laughs> better way to make sure everybody is disappointed in a match? No than kidding. To, than to bill it as the greatest ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Pretty much ensures that it will not live up to that. Yeah. Why would you I, put that kind of pressure on Edge in his second match coming back ever? I just you almost got to think that they're they're going to use it somehow. Yeah. I hope so. Hmm. Uh, They've been so over the top with it that I almost think it's going to just be used for like some sort of heel finish. That's like the most WWE thing ever. Like I almost feel this is them trolling people who like to give star ratings to matches. <laughs> I think that's what this is going to be. It's just going to be oh, like, you know, like Baron Corbin's going to interfere for no good reason. Oh, Corbin ruined another great wrestling match. Damn it. No. Like, I just think like that's the end game here is, you know, we were denied the greatest match ever because of this. I loved something that our uh, cohorts here at Blue Wire, the two jabronis with the wrestling podcast tweeted like last week when they're like, this should just be a squash match and just fool us all. Throw us for a loop. 
Yeah. Like, what if Edge just hits him a spear and it's over? That would that <laughs> there is no way that this match could be better than if they did that. <laughs> that would, actually, I would really, really like that. Uh, yeah, Zach, what do you think about the build to this? What, what is your opinion on all of this? It's, just, it's, I mean, it's beyond ridiculous. You guys have really hit the nail on the head. It's just, I mean, on so many levels. I mean, like you guys said, it's uh, why put? I mean, it's gonna under deliver. It's gonna under deliver on expectations, and that's like the total opposite of what wrestling promoting is. You know, you want to promote something that is going to live up to expectations and you know it's just it's beyond crazy to think that these guys are going to have the greatest wrestling match ever primarily because there aren't any fans there like you can't have the greatest wrestling match ever without an audience in my opinion i mean it just can't it cannot be done and so um Right out of the gate, it's a non-starter, and I roll my eyes every time they say it. Not that I think they can't have a good match. Not that I don't think that they can have a better match, certainly, than they did at WrestleMania. But, I mean, just to hype it this way, it's, 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 it's laughable on every level. <laughs> well, there, there will be some quote-unquote fans there, because as we saw this week, um, they had the hockey-style boards up they had the performance center crew standing for 10 hours straight to take (laughs) in monday night raw and uh (laughs) i mean it's a start but i i still think it didn't come close to what AEW does what what did you guys think of of that i mean i it definitely was a benefit it sucks that they've been so hesitant to put people out there like this i guess to you know freshen it up a little bit but (sighs) I, I, i still didn't like it that much it just I don't know. It, it didn't compare to AEW, Kyle. Well, it feels like they're following, not leading. Yeah. It, you know, it, I couldn't help but laugh when this news came out because it came in the shadow of everyone saying what a great way <laughs> Double or Nothing was miked. Yes. And they're going to claim, no, we were planning this. Oh, they, people have done this before AEW. It just, the timing seemed very odd. Um, I did have one last thing to say about the greatest match ever. I remember when... Shawn Michaels wrestled Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 93. And they build that as this is going to be the greatest Intercontinental Championship match ever, which on paper kind of sounded like a logical thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. And that match like wasn't even good. Yeah. Let alone the greatest Intercontinental title match ever. So, you know, history, you know, it's not like we're just, you know, four guys just saying this, hypothesizing. I mean, history says when you hype something up to that degree, you know, Almost all the time it fails. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I I think that kind of puts a bow on everything we wanted to hit on tonight. Uh, We are going to be talking a lot about In Your House next week. We've got two shows on deck for you. On Monday, we'll have another podcast coming out that talks about kind of it's kind of a retro show we're going to be talking about the greatest in your house matches of all time looking back at the mid 90s wwf wwe era and then uh, i guess on our thursday show next week we'll probably be talking about uh, nxt takeover in your house and them bringing back that old show and our, our guy zach haydorn here he's gonna join us on the line once again on monday for the best of WWE in your house. So, Zach, thanks for joining us for our Thursday show. We'll have you back on Monday. Tell the listeners, where can they find you in, in the interim? Uh, 
thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it being on the show today. You guys are great. Um, love what you do and, and, and glad to join you. Um, you guys can follow me uh, on Twitter. It's at uh, Torch at Z-H-E-Y-D-O-R-N, Torch. You can uh, find all my work there, um, or you can go to pwtorch.com, and you can find uh, my reports and, and writing there, um, as well as uh, link to sign up to become a VIP member. We would uh, appreciate your business, not just for my podcast, but the, the slew of others um, that you get um, as a VIP member. So uh, head over there now and uh, go VIP. Absolutely. Highly recommended. And Kyle, where can the listeners find you? At TRP Kyle. And Justin. Uh, at Justin Joint. And I am at Ryan Drosty, D-R-O-S-T. You can find the show at Top Rope Nation. We have an Instagram page as well facebook and as i mentioned at the top of the show wherever you're finding your podcast make sure to hit that subscribe button leave us a rating uh, leave us a written review and we will read it on the air next week and a special shout out goes to all of our producers over at patreon.com so special thanks to Derek, gabe kyle tim liam ryan sean and greg really appreciate your guys support you want to join them get that bonus content and get that free t-shirt head on over there before may ends patreon.com slash top rope nation so with that said i am ryan drosty here for kyle ross justin joint and zach haydorn enjoy your weekend and we'll catch you guys monday Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.